Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Steve Jones Show is driven by Sunbury Motors. Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors key up. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you on board today. Neil Kulong on the Steelers. Titanic 21-21 tie with NFL Power Cleveland. I sense you're angry. Meh. Bitter. I've already moved on. It's time to it's Chiefs time. Time to prep for Casey. We'll deal with the Brownies again at the end of October. Suits bitter though, isn't he? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I got quite a few in game texts uh from him during the game on Sunday. He's, he still thinks that Polamalo plays for them. All right. <laughs> Let's uh I think he, is that jersey he had on a Rod Woodson, one of the two, the uh, reversible Rod Woodson jersey? I think he still has well, that. Well, well believe, me, they, believe me, they played like they were playing with reversible jerseys. Uh, so, <laughs> not a good game. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Down the stretch, Tyler White's been good. The slider has popped pretty well to left field. That's going to send Stewart back. He's on the track. That ball is gone. Tyler White with a two-run homer. On two strikes, an 0-2 count. And White connects for the 12th time this season. And just like that, the Astros lead 5 to nothing. And you know what? The defending champions are playing like the defending champions. They're playing really well. The Astros playing really well. Key for them right now is right now the middle part of their bullpen is better than the Red Sox is. I mean, it's it's definitely better than the Red Sox middle bullpen. All right, let's bring in Neil Kulong now. I realize that Sean has said he's moved on. We expect the suit to move on, I don't know, October 1, 2, right around there? Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's get Neil's perspective. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, a two-score lead for the Steelers against a team that has one win in two-plus years. How concerning is it that they did not put a team away that should not, in theory, have a lot of confidence? Well, I, I think a couple things. At that point, it, it, 21-7, they had the ball. I felt like now is about the time the Steelers are going to pull away from what was otherwise a, a pretty sloppy performance, even up to that point. Um, it, it went downhill sharply after that. But um, it, overall, I, I think they failed to capitalize on uh, several opportunities that they had. And then 
Uh, the second half is really when the weather seemed to, to affect them more than anything else. Um, Roethlisberger did not play well, thus um, adding another notch on his belt of bad weather games that he didn't play well as, as well as most people seem to think that he does in bad weather games. Um, overall, the, the, it was concerning because you, you had a, a runway clear opportunity to, to put a, a not very good team away. Right. And you really shouldn't have any reason why you're even competitive in that game at that point, let alone you know fighting at the end, having to block a field goal to, to salvage a tie. Um, a, a lot of problems with that game. It may as well have been a loss for the Steelers. I don't, I don't care what the record says. That was a, that was a non-winning performance. Yeah, uh, non-winning uh, performance indeed because they didn't win the game, uh, Neil. Uh when you look at what they did offensively, why was Denzel Ward so effective against the receivers? You know, for for me, for what I saw, I, I think Ward did okay. Um, I, I don't think he was too interception good. Um, one of them was the, the first one in particular was just a, a horrendous decision by Roethlisberger. And, and so many times in his career, he's tried to force that kind of situation almost as if. You know he he's compelled by some other reason to throw the ball. I mean, really, you look at it, it it's it's hard to see exactly what he thought was going to happen. How he didn't see Ward just sitting there in the alley. I mean, that, that's he has to know that's where the cornerback is going to be. Uh, it, it, a throw that nobody would complete once out of a hundred times. There, there's no way um, he could have seen something. Uh, beneficial to them. So, I mean, good on Ward being able to get to the ball. He's a good athlete, you know, fourth overall pick. Right. Uh, he should be able to make plays like that. Um, the other one was, was really just more of a miscommunication between uh, Roethlisberger and Brown. And I, I think we can chalk some of that up to the fact that they really haven't played together a whole lot lately. I mean, they, they didn't play in the preseason. Brown was out for, uh, what, the last three games of the regular season. He got back in the playoffs, but um, you, you saw a lack of chemistry between them on the field on, on Sunday. And I think that the Browns, good on them for, for capitalizing, but uh, really that was more of a, a mental error than anything else. Roethlisberger expected Brown to go deep. That alley might have been there had Brown continued to run. Uh, Brown read you know, a, a, a dig on that particular play, and, and with that, you know, they, they were off the, the page where they needed to be. So, I mean, Ward, I think he's a good player. He's a well-rounded player, and he's going to get better, but um, I, I wouldn't say that he had like a, a phenomenal defensive performance. Um, he, he capitalized on what they gave him. What did you think of the Steelers' overall defensive performance? I, I thought um, it, it's so reminiscent of the last couple of years with the Steelers. You know, so many it, – it's like if, if you take them over eight games and you look at them statistically, you're going to see a lot of things that you really liked about it. When you go back and, and remember the game, remember watching it, you're going to have some, so, you know, a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth for times, uh, specific plays, different instances in which they could have capitalized or they just completely fell apart. They got run over on that first drive of, of the second half. You know, they're, the, the Browns get paid too. They have good coaches as well. Teams are going to put together those kinds of stretches, but that it was really bad. I mean, they got blown away up front. Uh, the, it didn't seem like the secondary was all that interested in coming up to tackle. They missed a bunch of tackles. I mean, everything just kind of fell apart on that one drive, and that really kind of kept Cleveland alive. They, they shouldn't have been in the game by that point with as, with as poorly as they were executing offensively. The Steelers' defense was getting pressure. They were covering well, but everything just, just fell apart in that one series. 
And unfortunately for them, in a game in which your offense can't help themselves but to turn the ball over, um, they, they have to come up and, and make plays. And they really just weren't there to make a whole lot of plays up until the very end uh, when the game was alive. And, and Cam Sutton getting that interception, one, it was a horrendously underthrown pass by right. Tyrod Taylor, who uh, managed somehow or other to, to throw worse than Roethlisberger did in the game. <laughs> um, but he, he got beat for a touchdown earlier. He got beat for a, another longer play before that so it really he was kind of making up ground that he had already given up you know it's nice to make a play on that but overall I, I, statistically they're going to look good but it, if you watch the game you're not getting a great feeling uh, from what we saw defensively a, a, a decent effort but there's still some problems uh, there aren't many ties in the NFL you know, and every time one happens you feel like they, they hang over the race all season yeah, there's a reason for that. Two things. One, a tie is what happens when you talk about months going up and down, how your big pick of the year is the Browns are going to upset the Steelers in week one, and they end up with a tie. And two, when you have to write about it all the time, oh, oh, one, uh, two, one, one, and then you have to right. figure out the playoff picture toward the end of the year, they, they do it to, to make you know the, the writers among us upset. Obviously, I'm, I'm making a really bad joke with that, but it, it's uh, – it, it's not a win and it's not a loss. It's a half of each one. So really, you're you're uh, worse than a ten and sixteen, but you're better than a nine and seventeen. So the, the issue comes down to how good of a team are you? Um, are you better than nine and seven, worse than ten and six, or are you going to be better than that? I, I think it's going to take that effort now for them to win the division. They're going to have to win, um, you know, nine of their games, ten of their games now, uh, with that one hanging over their head. So it, it it creates more of a problem just in the sense that. You didn't quite lose, but it really only serves as a tiebreaker. But you're still going to finish a half game behind if if you have the same amount of wins or uh, um, if you have one less win than somebody else. So you're not benefited by it um, as much as, in my opinion, anyway, you're going to be pulled back from it because everything really is a a one-game situation in the NFL. All right, which then brings us to um, Le'Veon Bell. We were talking earlier about it's really important that you do the best you can to tailor your offense or defense based on the personnel that you have. In other words, X is stronger at this than Y happens to be, so you do what X is stronger at uh, in your offense. Realistically, what percentage of the Steelers' offense can't they run right now because they don't have his skill set in the lineup? That's a really good question. I don't know if I could put a, a percent on it, but what I would say is, one, you're hindered with your hurry-up offense, your, your no-huddle, I should say, if, if that's what you want to do. Um, two, it, it makes your uh, pre-snap flexibility a lot less. Connor can't really uh, split out to the slot and be as effective as, as Bell was. That, to me, is really the difference between um, a, a runner like James Conner did a great job uh, not taking anything against him, but he's a lot less of a, a, a weapon than Bell is because you can't do as much with him in that, that proverbial chess match before the snap. They, they don't have the ability to really scheme different ways to get him on the field and find other matchups. Uh, what you see is what you get with Connor. I mean, really, there's not a whole lot of scouting that you have to do on him. He's a hard-nosed runner. He's going to run hard. Um, as we saw, if he's wearing gloves, he might find uh, stuff like that with him, it's pretty easy to figure out. He's tough, but you know what you get with him. With Bell, he could be anywhere at any, any given time, and we saw that throughout his career, especially you know when when um, Todd Haley and the offensive line really kind of got in, in uh, a, a groove using Bell. He was, he was 
crucial in so many different ways in that offense. Uh, Connor is just not that type of player, or at the very least, he's not right now. But I think what we saw, at least he's a capable receiver, so you know that he has that ability. Um, he stood in pretty tough to, to the blitzes that he saw, um, won a couple of them that I saw. I mean, he's no Le'Veon Bell in pass protection, but um, he, he kept the guy off Roethlisberger for enough time. Um, overall, I would just say that you don't have the depth in your your uh, your sub packages. You're not going to be able to do as much with kind of a split eleven personnel. In other words, you, you start off with something bigger, moving him out to the slot for like a, a four wide look. Um, you, you probably can't do that as much with Connor. But at the same time, I mean, I think what we saw in that offense, um, they, they've got some fundamentals they need to work on anyway. So right. uh, if they do get back to that point, it's probably going to be like mid season. Yeah, and, and my point is that that's not an anti-James Conner question at all. It's just you have to match up to what the skill set of the personnel happens to be. Bell does bring a different skill set to the table than a lot of other running backs in the league, and so that has to change how what your thought process is going forward as to what you can and can't do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think defensive coordinators are going to know that, too. Now that you've got a, a game of film, and, yeah. and granted it's uh, it's in a monsoon, it might be a little harder to see, but you really didn't see a whole lot of versatility with the Steelers in, in their looks. I thought uh, to that end, they ran a, a, a lot of power looks, um, that, that counter option that they have, um, that the 22 blasts they run, um, the, the backside, the Castro pulls to the outside, they, they put a lot of bulk. Um, on the the weak side of the line and then cut back into that. Connor can run those types of plays just fine, and that that's been a staple of the Steelers' offense for you know a long time. Willie Parker scored a touchdown on, uh, in in the Super Bowl on that play. Um, they they run that well. They always will run that well when they've got a guy like David Castro in there. Um, but it, it's going to be in the passing game. It's going to be those those big explosive plays. And I know that Le'Veon Bell is not a, a speed burner. He's not going to get you forty yard gains. But those twenty five thirty yard uh, receptions can really add up. They they really can save a drive and end up giving you another over the course of the season, maybe an additional three to six points a game. I mean, that, that can be critical. I, I think Bell is, is worth that just for what he brings, for what the offense can do dynamically because he's in there. Uh, Kansas City, talk about a change in personnel. This is not Alex Smith, Kansas City. This is Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. What's your thoughts on the Chiefs with him running the show? Boy, they're fun to watch. That That's a, that's a fun offense. Andy Reid, I, I think uh, for me – through one week, and this means absolutely nothing, but he's a front runner for coach of the year just because he's built so much with the depth that Kansas City has offensively, and then they plug in. I wouldn't say at this point an upgrade a quarterback just because let's see how Mahomes does, but they clearly had this game largely scripted to go up against the Chargers, and Mahomes looked perfectly coached. He knew what to do. He really didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And he made some of the best throws I saw all weekend. I mean, it's it's not common for me to say that there's one quarterback that had like five of the best throws, but he hit a fullback on a, a, a some type of fade about 35 yards down the field, and he just dropped it right on him. Just a picture-perfect throw. It's really difficult to, to figure out how to defend a fullback 30 yards down the field. If you have an offense that can give a quarterback time for a fullback to get that far down the field, and a quarterback that can just put it right on him like that, you're, you're going to be a very dangerous uh, vertical deep 
offense. And let's add in the fact that in many ways they're playing kind of a, a college spread game. You know, the, the, yeah. Andy Reid's a horizontal passing quarterback. They're they're doing those things well, but now um, with with a quarterback who has the arm talent to get the ball down the field, I'm not sure that, that Smith really has that. Right. Uh, with with Mahomes, the weapons that they have, there's a lot of things they can do to you offensively. And I, I, this this is about as tough um, a, a home opener matchup I think the Steelers have had in a long time. This could be one of the best games of the weekend. Always a pleasure, Neil. Appreciate it very much. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Sunbury Motors Ford knows many of you will be heading to the Bloomsburg Fair, so they need to sell cars now. Sunbury Motors is going to price all new Fords at a level that makes it impossible to say no. You'll be feeling great driving to the fair in a 2018 Ford Escape for only $18,820. Sunbury Motors has to sell seven new Fords every day from now till the Bloomsburg Fair. Pack up the family in your 2018 Explorer. Explorers start under thirty grand at SMC, and they have 20 to choose from. Every Edge, Focus, Fusion, Fiesta, Echo Sport will be discounted for SMC to sell seven new Fords every day from now till the fair. Sunbury Motors has 70 new F-150s marked down to as low as $25,969 and just announced 0% for 72 months on F-150s. You'll save thousands over the term of your loan. SMC needs seven sales every day before the Bloomsburg Fair. We'll see you at Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. Uh, coming up uh, more tomorrow, we'll take a... I think Patrick Chambers might be joining us for a period of time tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that, getting him on the show. The King is on... Uh, of course, we have the High School Roundtable tomorrow, the brilliance of Greg Wetzel, uh, the outstanding commentary of Zach Showers, and then we'll have somebody from Shikalimi on, too. So, I mean, we're looking forward to what? Yeah. I mean, it seemed like that was negative. No, oh, someone on for Shikalemi. No, that's right. That's accurate. Yeah. I mean, like, we don't know every week. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, you know, two weeks ago we had the suit. Then we had, I mean, Dick Hort was gr- not good. He was great. Well, that's what I said last week to Kevin leading up to the last week's roundtable. I go, and, Horty's on again, right? right. <laughs> I just can't. Right. You got no, Horty on again, yeah. right? He goes, no, then, I'll be on. And we, we had a couple technical <laughs> issues last week, so I missed the brilliance of that analysis, uh, which then threw Gary Goloszewski off. Oh, how so? Well, Gary, Gary, I made a comment to Gary about the Tom McGrath tailgate as essentially being the post-game North Star in other words, I try to find Tom's car and I find the tailgate. Well, they made Tom move his car to for somebody else. And I said, you don't understand. I said, I'm guided by the North Star. I said, uh, now, of course, now, do McGrath and I set this up ahead of time? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Gary says, I, I'm listening to the show on, on Thursday. He says, driving back. I think Gary's driving back from Philadelphia or whatever. He says, he says, you don't understand. You're my North Star. <laughs> he says, and all I hear is that suit dude. <laughs> uh, uh, 
At at that point, the North Star was leading him toward South Carolina. It was like, (laughs) not good. No, especially what's going on now, Uh, what could be happening here in the next 24 to 36. Well, Mm. not only that, um, um, Jeff Tarman, whose daughter is going to school right now in Charleston, he got her out of there. Jeff went down to Philly, picked her up today at the airport. So that's good. I'm glad he was able to do that. But Gary... It is a privilege to be your North Star. I just don't know if we point you true north all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not funny. (laughs) Oh, boy. Next, he'll ask you to just take the wheel. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. They move the cars around. You know, we're all supposed to have designated parking spaces. I, I look. I don't know what's going on. Okay. All I know is that somehow, some way, I stumbled and bumbled my way to the tailgate. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Final half hour. Take calls. 800-795-9565. Talk with, uh, about what, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, it's an uh, interesting time of the year. I was complaining earlier about the Friday night thing, which is next week. So obviously it doesn't come into play this week. But again, it's just too much. Like I know TV pays a lot of money. So look, I mean, and in order to finance thirty-one sports like Penn State has to and facilities, I mean, you look, you need you need money. There's no, there's no getting around it, and I got that part. I mean, nobody knows that more than I do. But I I don't understand why the Big Ten thought that they could, why they needed um, to have Friday night football. Now, I think initially I got it. In other words, um, and... I understand why they got it, uh, because you want to help out Purdue and give them maybe some notice. You want to help out Illinois, give them some notice. You want to help out Minnesota, give them some notice. Uh, you know, so people can see them and and whatever. Okay, but there is uh, The pushback was amazing, and I've told the story before, and the, the story I've told um, was about um, uh, talking with the oh 
it was the Purdue people. It was Tim Newton, their play-by-play guy. And this is before they had played any Friday night games. This was two years ago. I said to Tim, I said, I said, well, it's going to give you national exposure. I said, everybody cool about that here? And he says, no. He says, they aren't. I said, really? He said, no. He said, there's so many people pushing back on high school football around here. I said, really? He said, yeah. That's a big problem. He says, so he says, it's not popular here at all. So this is Purdue, which you feel needs it. I mean, you feel they need it. And they're against it. Now, Penn State has already said, along with Ohio State and Michigan, uh, hey, we're not hosting any. Um, we're not going to host any. Uh, Friday night games here. I mean, I got that. But here's the issue. The issue is this. It's the road team that's got to go through a lot. Now, look, if the game they ever played a home game on Friday here at Beaver Stadium, it would be a mess beyond messes. I mean, what do you do with all the people that park in the lots? Now, obviously, they're parking on the asphalt lots. So they're not parking in the grass lots, and some of the grass lots are eliminated this week. But what are you going to do with all those people? What, are you going to tell them they got to leave? they got to be out of there to do it? I mean, that's just the start of the problems. That's just the start of the problems. Okay? And now you go through all this. Now let's go to the road team, because Penn State's the road team. Well, James doesn't practice on Monday. Well, next week he's going to have to practice on Monday. And then he's going to have to... um, They're going to get back at 4.30 in the morning after the game, and they're going to give him Saturday off, because you have to give them one day off a week. Okay, well, now you're going to give them that one day off, and it's it's a Saturday, and part of the Saturday is you're getting back at 4.30 in the morning. Wow. I mean, that becomes a big problem. That becomes a big problem. At, At least in my opinion, it does. It becomes a big problem. And it's all, I mean, next week how we're going to do the shows. I mean, I will do the show live in Champaign because it's a 9 o'clock kickoff. So, I mean, that's that part right there is no, that's no issue. Um, but it just, it just fouls everything up. I mean, everywhere you look, it, it is a, it is a complete, because it takes everybody off their schedule Completely. Yeah, we'll give them eventually an extra day to get ready for Ohio State. Okay, fine. But the SEC and the Big Ten are two conferences that do not need Friday night football. Okay? You know, it's amazing how certain things have worked for years. Have worked for years. For years it worked having high school football on Friday. For years it worked having college football on Saturday. For years it worked having pro football on Sunday. And guess what? Over the years, 
the game got more and more popular in part because of that formula. Imagine if Penn State had a Friday night game this week. You got Seelands Grove playing Shickleinning. And we'll preview it tomorrow. We'll get a great preview from Zach Showers on that game. Looking forward to it. Oh, stop laughing. And Shickleinning, too. Well, I wanted to praise Zach, though. New Daddy Zach. I wanted to, you know, single Zach out because he's doing exemplary work on these segments. Sure is. Yeah. I got to thinking about those midweek Mac games that started less than a decade oh. ago. And it's like Wednesday night college football. <laughs> I mean, nobody goes, though. Yeah. Nobody. Have you looked at the stands? There's nobody there. Have you looked at the stands, Sean, on those Tuesday-Wednesday games? In fact, last year, October 27th, was the last Saturday a Mac team played last year. October 27th, the last day a Mac team played a Saturday game a year ago. Wow. What does that tell you? And you look at the stands, and yeah, are they getting exposure? Do I once in a while, as a viewer, watch it? Sure, I do once in a while. Not long. 5, 10, 15 minutes. I don't sit there and watch an entire game unless it turns out to be really intriguing. But the first thing you notice right away is that there's nobody in the stands. There's no atmosphere. Eh. Now, again, they're trying to get some exposure. UConn tries to get exposure. So, you, I mean, UConn will play at 8 in the morning if they're told to on a, on a Tuesday. Think that'll work? Oh, yeah, it'll be great for you, Randy. Right? So they do it. But it is uh, too much wag the dog, my man, I think. I think it's too much wag the dog. I know you want the money. I got that. Got it, got it, got it. But I... Something's worked forever. Why do you want to change it up? And I don't, you know, and I don't mean like you get into, a, you know, you don't shake things up a little bit because it needs to be shaken up a little bit, and you want to get everybody out of their comfort. That's different. That's that's preparation and so forth. I'm talking about viewing habits. Viewing habits are called habits for a reason. And I think with what they're doing with the Friday night thing, and we had Jim. Remember, we had Jim Delaney on the show. We have not a couple. I think we had Jim on the show. I think three times last year, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, close. And I think it was August last year we had him on, and I asked him about the Friday night football thing, and I said, "Are you surprised by the pushback?" And you could tell he genuinely was taken aback. The game's going to be on Fox Sports One next week, so I mean, for Fox Sports One, that gives them. Some obviously programming, but one thing about being with Fox is they have a lot of commitments, and you're telling me that you could not determine back in June the start time of the Penn State Ohio State game. You're telling me in June you couldn't do that. You want to know why they wait? They waited. The reason they waited was simple. They thought the Red Sox and the Yankees were coming down to the last game weekend of the season in a Titanic matchup. 
And I think they wanted to carry the game. Well, there is no Titanic matchup. The Red Sox are in the playoffs. That was probably, their, that was probably their fear because what they had, you know, Ohio State, Penn State last year at the Horseshoe, it was already locked in as 3.30 because of the World Series later that night. Right. I think they're probably their concern was, well, yeah, maybe we could put Ohio State at Penn State in primetime. Oh, wait, yeah, we'll be stuck with Yankees-Red Sox at 4. Then Penn State fans could be complaining if they want to watch it on TV and then... <laughs> what if the what if it goes extra innings <laughs> and then Penn right. State game starts and then you got another big mess? It's, it's, it's to be honest with you, it's it's a ridiculous commitment. It's the okay. Let, let's get it straight here. What's going to draw higher ratings? Penn State, Ohio State football, or Yankees, Red Sox baseball? Baseball doesn't draw ratings. You're, you're telling me that's what you you take that you put that game on Fox Sports One if you have to. I mean. Monday we'll find out the kickoff, but it's absurd we don't have that yet. It's absurd. It makes no sense. Always kind of felt that was one of the reasons they moved the game up to get it out of that World Series postseason zone. Then November comes around and we got to deal with those six-day windows. That's a completely different topic. Again, you know how I feel about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if... If you actually realistically can sit there and tell me 12 days out, you don't want, know what's a good game, you should not be in the room making the decisions. You can figure out 12 days out what a good game is. You have, And then the stories all come out at the end of the year. You know, fewer fans are attending games. Because you do everything. You do everything in your power to, to discourage them going. Can't you can't do that? No, it's a six day window. We're trying to determine. Oh yeah, that's really good for attendance. I mean, let them know six days out, right? You got to take control of your TV situation. I mean, you got to take, and, and that's the one area with the Big Ten. I thought the Big Ten did it awesome, incredible, great job with its TV contracts, getting Fox on board, getting more money. Uh, keeping ESPN on board with an increase. Big Ten Network. I mean, great job. The one area that, that they were disappointing and the one area where they were dead wrong is they should have taken control of it and said, look, when it comes to us, there are no six-day windows. Our fans need to know 12 days out when the game's going to be played. Why? Because we want people in the seats and not sitting there going, okay, on a Saturday, I don't know what time it is. Right? That's why you do it. I mean, and then you tell the TV people, look, you want more people in the seats? You want better ambiance, a better sound, a better look? Go 12 days out. That way these people can make their plans. you got to take control of it. Yes, they're paying you money, lots of money. It's still your inventory. You still have leverage. It's your inventory. All right, we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. Uh, high school football coming up, including Sealands Grove and Shickland. Also, Milton is Lewisburg, if I recall my games correctly. Milton Lewisburg, that's right. Great ball game. Well, Greg Wetzel on to preview that tomorrow. 
Yeah, that'll be interesting heading into Friday night's game. Uh, Lewisburg's going to be down. Nick Shedleski and Dylan Farinato be down. Two major cogs in that Green Dragons offense. Mm-hmm. So, And we'll see if Phil Davis will be back in the lineup for Friday night. Looks like uh, he will be a go. Uh, he's been out for a couple weeks. Milton quarterback. And we're going to have, uh, obviously, a preview. Zach Shower is going to preview Sealands Grove. And you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, Mike Ferlazzo is going to preview uh, Shikolumi. Wait, what? Who? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going by the fan vote. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I feel awful. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> This suit will be on tomorrow, we think. At this point, yes. At this point. The, the one we can never depend on is like one guy in the building. Ugh. Unless I get a text from him at about 12.30 talking about a pending meeting during showtime. That's happened well, the one he, the, well, yeah, Well, the one he had two weeks ago where he was arguing with himself? Well, no, there's <laughs> actually it's me, myself, and I. There's more than one in the room. Oh great! It's a three-way argument. I don't think you should do it. I don't know. You might. It might be good. I just want to tell you. I think you're the best. You're the greatest. Team huddle break. Well, it's just you know, the third one's a sycophant. <laughs> you're unbelievable. You're good. Great. You're the best. That's the that's the suit. Yes, man. <laughs> sitting on the sitting on the left shoulder. Text just <laughs> in from the suit. I'll be there. And he told us to relax. We're relaxed. We're fine. I'm not in pan. I'm not in any panic mode. <laughs> Do I sound like I'm panicked? No. <laughs> we we got you. We got you. We don't want to go to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I got Horty's number. We're fine. <laughs> you got all sorts of numbers. Yeah. Heck, I'll just call Jack him. I'll have him preview it. As long as he gives a weather update, too, then that makes, that'll put it way over the top. <laughs> the weather update. That's right. That is sacred ground, my man. That is sacred ground. Oh, yeah. You do not touch the Jack Ham weather report. <laughs> oh. Don't panic. <laughs> We're about as calm as two people just sitting around near a beach watching the waves. What the heck? <laughs> panic? Hey, you're there, you're there. You're not. Believe me, we'll go to something else. <laughs> Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.